What are Australians saying about the war between Israel and Hezbollah? That's difficult to really gauge because there are people who take both sides. Mean they, they, they take one side or the other or they take both sides? Sorry, I mean there's, there are people who take one side and then there are other people who take the other side. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> because the only people uh, I know that take both sides are the uh, Lebanon government. <laughs> Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here is your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 52 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Today our guest comes all the way from Australia. Samuel, welcome to You Are the Guest. Thanks for having me, Bill. And Samuel, what part of Australia are you from? I'm in Canberra, the capital city, and possibly where it's coldest. What type of a, a temperature do you have today? Uh, it's not too bad today. We were down at minus one Celsius this morning. It was minus seven yesterday. Uh, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but I could probably find out. It's probably about 34 degrees. Sounds about right. Because you're just a little bit above freezing. Hmm. We've got a nice toasty 80 degrees here in Iowa. That sounds nice. It's definitely much warmer than what we have here. Can you tell our audience about yourself, Samuel? Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm 19 years old. I work for, um, for one of the largest telcos in the country as a broadband help desk consultant. Uh, I do some voluntary news reading on weekends for community radio. Uh, I don't really know <laughs> where to start. I've never really been good at sort of giving lists of describing myself. Perhaps you could ask me some questions. Okay, you know I just got done doing an interview with the small world podcast and and usually i only get asked three questions and bazooka joe asked me about 30 minutes worth and it's really uncomfortable if you're not used to having people ask you questions so um maybe you're in that same category so let me ask you a couple of questions first of all about your blog because you have a blog that uh seems to be very popular in australia and, and let, answer this for me why do you feel that people need to blog uh, I think there are just some people who have information that they want to share with the world, whether it be completely trivial information about what they did that day to whether it might be something of some significance, such as, I know I'm currently following the progress of some of the uh, constructions around Canberra, um, but I just think some people like to share information with with other people, and blogging is a convenient way to do it. And what was the appeal to you? 
Uh, see, I'd sort of wanted to start a blog for a while, and uh, there was a conference that I was going to, and it just gave me the opportunity to sort of get started. It was something to report on that uh, that a few people were interested in, and it all sort of started from there. I found that I really enjoyed blogging, and I kept going. See if you agree with this statement. Is it true that there are such things as forum bullies yes and could you give me an example there are just there are people there who I don't know why but they have this this notion that whatever they're doing is obviously something that they should be doing and that everyone else in the world agrees with them and anyone who doesn't agree with them or has a slightly different way of blogging to them or a slightly different way of expressing themselves is just a person they can target and target consistently and they generally have the support of, a, of people who are like-minded to them and so suddenly it's not it's really ever just one bully it's usually a group of them one bully on their own usually gets shot down pretty quickly so it's almost like a gang very much so. And why do you think that happens? Are, are these people that are just frustrated in their own lives and this is a way to kind of get that anger out anonymously? Well, it certainly would seem that way with a lot of them. I mean, I don't know what happens in their day job. They're very good at keeping a lot of that information to themselves, possibly so that they won't be a target. But they all seem to have this notion that I know, it almost seems like stress relief to them, actually. I, I, I don't think I'll ever understand it, but that's how it seems to me. Had you ever gone through that with your blog? Yes. Uh, earlier this... No, it was late last year. Uh, a website called The Spin Starts Here decided that I would be their next target. They just... I just sort of came up as a bit of random conversation and it all spiralled from there. They just... Um, someone on there declared that my blog was the most boring thing that anyone could ever read or something like that. And a few weeks later I actually spotted that post because... Uh, because I have some Google alerts set up which actually were coming up with an entirely different topic because I just happened to mention it in that post. And I had a read of it and I probably foolishly decided to reply to just find out what it was that they had against me. And it really just went from there. Um, they weren't willing to be reasonable and I probably made more of a... <laughs> More of a mistake by declaring their website uh, what happens when you let the lunatics out of the asylum. <laughs> and they, um, they had great fun with that. I was sort of their target for a couple months. Uh, but it also probably sparked some debate, too. I mean, you probably had some people that were on their side, but you also probably had some folks that were on your side, too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there were... There were actually quite a few people on there who changed their mind about me. Because originally to them I was just sort of this this nerdy kid who had these fascinations that they had 
absolutely no interest in thought were completely pointless. And then some of them decided, well, actually this person is human after all. And some of them started to defend me. Some came onto my site and sort of became uh, semi-regular commenters. But others just kept going. It eventually sort of died off when they lost interest in me and moved on to their next target. That's what they thrive on. They just one target to the next, to the next, to the next. I'm hoping you'll share this with our audience, but when you read attacks like that, during that time, how did that make you feel personally? Uh, when, uh, when it first happened, when it first started and it just sort of started to get big and a few other sites started to take interest, it was, it was pretty difficult because, you know, I've, I've up until then been pretty public about what I put on my blog. There was, there was sort of information about about what I enjoyed doing, there were what I enjoyed listening to, there was all sorts of stuff about me personally and it was just all sort of being regurgitated back to me in a very negative sense and that was that was very hard to take but um, I did slowly sort of start to see the, the humorous side of it and I look back now and it was it was sort of it's very funny reading some of that stuff in hindsight because it's amusing just thinking that they could really get so worked up over me. I mean really I'm just a random person on the internet. There's not an awful lot to be excited about, but they had a fascination with me and they decided that I was worth writing thousands of words about. <laughs> I, I mean, I've never been the subject of that sort of publicity before. I probably never will be again. But it was just, just quite funny in hindsight. But at the time, it was very difficult to deal with. I suppose I'm lucky I had some people who weren't directly involved around me who were, um, who were able to sort of support me through it a bit. Do you think those people would have said the very same things had they been sitting across the table from you? No. No. I met one of them in person, actually. I went up to Sydney for a day last year, and I agreed to be interviewed by one of them for one reason or another. And they didn't say the same things in front of me. In fact, um, you've obviously done your research, Bill. You probably read the um, interview in question. And the answers that you see on, on the screen are entirely different to what I actually said in person. Um, some of the answers are completely made up. There are questions in there that were never asked with answers I gave to, que to other questions. Uh, so, no. In person, they're very different people. And I've got no doubt that most of them are very decent people in person, but for whatever reason, they enjoy uh, yelling at other people online. So you would agree that maybe a good rule of thumb for posting on the forums is don't say anything to a person that you wouldn't want to tell them in person. Absolutely. Absolutely, because really you might not have a face when you're online, but the words still hurt. The words are still your words. And 
I think really the golden principle online is whether you're anonymous or not, you own your words. And one day it might just come back to bite you. I mean, the people in question, one of them anyway, uh, for what happened to me, uh, she went one step too far with with one too many people really and uh, they started finding out all sorts of information about her and her family and then started um, threatening them. Now I don't I don't endorse that at all because that is also very wrong but it just sort of showed that what comes around goes around. Good karma, bad karma. Yes, very much so. Can you tell if somebody has too much time on their hands by the way they post on forums? Yes, there are there are people who um, who I don't know how they manage to find time for it, but they're online almost all day, and even when they're at work, they're still finding time to post stuff on forums. Um, I mean, anyone who knows my website is probably going to criticise me for that too, because I often write things overnight and schedule them to sort of gradually appear over the next day. And so it looks like I'm posting from work, but I'm not. I can't actually get to my website from work, and I'm glad because I'm too busy. I'd never do anything at work if I was posting on my website. You brought up an interesting point, which is people spend a lot of time on forums during the time that they should be working. So do you know of any studies that have been conducted on how much revenue or how much time is being stolen from employers by employees who sit around and blog all day at their jobs? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I haven't specifically heard of studies about that. I mean, there are sort of studies about various other wastes of time. I know that every now and then the news seems to have a new study about how much time people spend reading emails at work. But I haven't seen a study myself which actually goes through uh, goes through how much time people spend blogging at work, but even then you'd have to sort of distinguish between blogging personally and blogging for the company because there are some companies, and the one that I work for is no exception, who have a sort of corporate public relations blog and they start, they put information on there about products and services that they think are exciting and the rest of the world probably thinks are just them trying to sell their products. What's a big issue that Australian bloggers are writing about today? Uh, Is there anything in the political arena that people are, are coming out and saying that they're for or against? Uh, it, nationally... I think the entire news is still focused on petrol prices and interest rates at the moment. Uh, petrol prices are sort of nearing a dollar fifty a litre, and they're expected to keep rising. And uh, interest rates went up, I think it was last week, to six percent. Um, that's the cash rate anyway. The home loans are much more, but that's sort of what people are really really interesting at the moment I think there's a lot of stuff going on with industrial relations we had some um, new industrial relations laws come in recently which 
the unions are strongly against and employers seem to be strongly for and then the people who are actually doing the work are sort of divided. I mean, personally, I think there are some good things in it, some bad things in it. Uh, there's... I mean, it's hard to think of specific examples, but... Let's... I know there's nothing particularly specific, I don't think, um, in Australia at the moment. It's just sort of these ongoing issues. What is the state of Australia, in your opinion? What is the condition of the country? It's... It's reasonable. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to have a country where everything is perfect. You know, there's... Politically, it's sort of not particularly healthy, I don't think, because it seems that uh, nationally and in a lot of the states you have you have an incumbent government who, you know, probably about half the people like, but you've got an opposition that either are void of any policies or void of any talent. People who just don't seem to be in any way interested in what they're doing or have no way of connecting with the public. So, politically... So how do those people get into politics, then? Well, they obviously connect with their electorate, but not with the rest of the nation. I mean, a lot of them are in sort of safe seats for their parties. Most of the leaders of the parties, their seats are very safe. So... They're obviously the people that the party liked and were put into those seats. And one of the things that, that amazes me, especially with local and state government, is that when you meet some of these politicians in person, you walk away asking yourself, why were they considered the best person for the job? Was there nobody else to take their position? Do you find that the same in Australia? Oh, absolutely. I mean... Here in Canberra, we have a government that absolutely, I mean, I won't say no one, but almost no one likes anymore uh, because they've gone and they've slashed budgets on schools and on transport and various other things. And you meet the people in person from time to time and they, they either don't want to talk to you or they, they want to give you pre-rehearsed speeches rather than having a conversation with you or you you have the people from the opposition who I don't know it varies with them some of them are sort of nice to talk to and then there are others who really don't seem to have the faintest clue what they're going on about what's the biggest local news story of the day oh here in Canberra uh, well there's a long stay caravan park uh, which Last year was sold off, maybe it was early this year, was sold off to developers. Um, a few years ago, the ACT government sold the land to um, to a charity to run it. They sold it to them for, I think it was $1. <laughs> and so this charity ran it for the number of years in the contract, and then they sold it off to developers. Now... They claim that they thought the developers would uh, would continue to run it, but the developers wanted to sell it off. And, well, not sell it off, they wanted to build on it and kick the people in the caravan park out. And for the people in the caravan park, this is 
this is their home, they really don't have anywhere else to go, and there isn't anywhere else they could really move to. So this was kind of a dirty trick on them. Mm. Well, yesterday there was a bit of good news there, in that the, um, the developers uh, finally agreed with the ACT government. The ACT government have given them some other land to build on, and the caravan park has gone back into the hands of the ACT government, and the ACT government will continue to manage it. So the people who live in the caravan park are understandably happy about that because they're not being turfed out anymore. What are Australians saying about the war between Israel and Hezbollah? Well, that's difficult to really gauge because there are people who take both sides. There's Maybe they, they, they take one side or the other or they take both sides? Sorry, I meant there's, there are people who take one side and then there are other people who take the other side. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Because the only people uh, I know that take both sides are the uh, Lebanon government. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that, that seems to happen. But, you know, the, the news reports are very mixed, and I think that's throwing a lot of confusion onto it. There's, I think a lot of people here are blaming Israel because the um, the press seem to be fairly focused at times on Israel firing rockets at civilians or invading land and then there are others other times when when the press are sort of focusing on Hezbollah so it's very difficult there's really for a long time Australians were much more interested in Australians getting out. Our government was criticised for being slow in getting people out, but I mean, the, peop the government just wanted to make sure they'd get the people out safely. So that, that was the focus for a long time, and then now it's sort of moved on. The, the press have settled down a little bit. They're focusing a bit more on the on what's happening on a day-by-day -day basis. But we still don't really have a full picture of it. I don't think the mainstream media has has really tried to show a, a full picture of it. And then those that have have had factual errors anyway. What factual errors have you discovered? Oh, well, there's just factual errors about the history of the whole conflict. There, There's a lot of confusion over what act started it. I mean, is that the same over in the US? Do, does the mainstream media know what started it? I think some are reporting it with a slant, if, if that makes sense. That yeah. um, you, you, can, you can certainly tell the, the bias, whether it's to the right or to the left. And for the average guy on the street that catches news every once in a while, I think... I think that's doing them a disservice. I mean, you can find out what the truth is by digging and, and studying a lot, but if you only have five minutes a day to really catch up on international news and you get this slant that goes a different way, you really never get the right history of of what is going on, who started it, and, and the politics of one side claiming that it's the victim when it was indeed the aggressor. Mm. And that's something I think is happening here too because 
I mean, uh, we have a, a show called Media Watch here, which is our public broadcaster's attempt to sort of keep the media in line and follow what they're doing and sort of report what they're doing wrong and doing right. And they had a story this week where two children's news uh, services, I suppose you could call them, with there are sort of two main uh, programs, television programs, that try and explain the news to children. And they both did stories on the Middle East and why, why there is fighting in the Middle East. Now, both of them had factual errors, but Media Watch then went and took the um, both stories and sent them out to a number of people who are supposed to be experts in what's happened or sort of represent one side of what's happening. And they've all come back with, with different answers. Some of them say they're not happy with, with either story. Some say that, uh, that one story's wrong and the other's right, and then you've got others saying the exact opposite. So not only is the media confused, the people who are supplying information to the media are just confusing them more. What is Australia's biggest international concern today? Is it gas prices or, or petrol, as you would say, or is it war and, and conflict in the Middle East? At the moment, I think it's the war in the Middle East. It's, it's still top of most news bulletins. Uh, there's, it's really what, uh, what people are focusing on. I mean, I go to the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation news website, and other than the national stories, the top international story is still... Lebanon urges quick ceasefire as fighting continues. It's the Middle East conflict is very much what people are focused on. I don't think people here are really seeing the petrol prices as an international story. I mean everyone knows it is, but as far as we're concerned it's a national story because people want the government to to lower the price. The government here have a petrol excise, which is, from memory, 37 cents a litre. So you've got the base petrol price, then you've got the petrol excise of 37 cents a litre. And then on top of that, you've also got our goods and service ta tax of 10%. So the public is sort of trying to get the government to either remove the some of the petrol excise or remove the GST on petrol. Here's the final question. Where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, that's a tough question. <laughs> and I know, it's, as we talked about earlier, uh, you're not used to talking about yourself. So, so here, you know, share something with me that you know, where do you want to be in your life five years down the road? Mm. You know, I, I kind of have joint interests. I'm both interested in IT and also in the media. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to see myself somewhere in one of those fields. But in the next five years, I would also like to get some some formal qualifications in, in IT. 
Um, so it's it's sort of difficult to say where I'd like to be in five years, but I can sort of give you a, a rough outline of what I might like to do in the next five years. I mean, I want to get some study completed. I want to want to sort of get somewhere in the the job that I'm in at the moment, uh, and you know, I'd, I'd like to get somewhere in in the media, maybe in the next ten years or so. But whether whether any of it will happen, I'll probably well, I'll find out. Samuel, it's time to play Ask Bill Three. This is where I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, and you get to ask me three questions about anything. And I I don't know what you're going to ask me either. So you, would you confirm that for our audience? We have not talked about these questions. That's right. We haven't talked about them. Okay, so these are going to be a complete surprise, so fire away. Okay, Bill. What's the, the weirdest dream that you've had that you can remember? Weirdest dream? You know, we all have those weird dreams that just don't make sense at yep. all. And, you know, I can say that I was doing this and, and, and the other thing. You know, the one that I, I shared with my, my mother uh, a few weeks ago, and my father's uh, passed away, and he's been gone for about four years. And I had a dream that my mom and my dad were together in their house, and they were remodeling their house. But as they were remodeling their house, they built the sidewalk that comes in front of the yard to go through the middle of their house. So, in other words, the neighbors, when they would walk their dog or whatever, instead of going past the front of the house, would have to go right through the middle of the house. So, instead of doorways, they just had this big hallway, and neighbors were going right, you know, through the middle of their house. And, you know, they people would sometimes take their shoes off, you know, so they wouldn't get the carpet dirty. But, I, you know, I'm going in this dream, I'm going, Dad, what are you doing? Why would you put the sidewalk through the middle of the house? Why wouldn't you put the sidewalk in the front of the house so people don't have to walk through the house? And, of course, you know, they didn't see anything. Thing wrong with that in the dream so so that's that's a strange or weird dream that i'll share with you yeah i've had i've had plenty of strange dreams that's something i often when i have them i sort of put um put them online as well for one reason or another but can you share I one tend, can you share one with us uh yeah there's uh probably one that I don't think I've had online before, so it's probably one that's that's completely new as far as the public are concerned, uh, is that I, when I was, um, when I was in primary school, uh, I had this sort of fascination with the, um, balloon fiesta that we have every year here in Canberra. Uh, we have, every year we have sort of hot air balloons, this festival of them. And I had this dream that I was at my primary school, I was in the school library, and it was sort of the middle of the day, and suddenly this hot air balloon just sort of rose, and I could see it out the window, and suddenly the person in it started taking photos of me, and they, and all these other balloons started taking photos, and I ran, and I sort of hid in a stairway, but there was a window in the stairway, and the balloon sort of came around to that window. So I sort of ran down to the basement and I was sort of safe there and then the dream sort of moved over to um, 
moved over to the school playground. And I was standing there at the fence with a friend and with a teacher and we couldn't see any balloons. And then suddenly they all started appearing again. So I ran with my friend and we ran, we were supposed to be running to my dad's work. And for some reason we started running the complete opposite direction through the city to try and get there. And I know the balloons all sort of disappeared and I was just still sort of running in terror. And I had to sort of start jumping over these cars and suddenly this, this car started to, to jump up itself and then the dream ended. No matter where you are in the world, people have weird dreams. Mm. And they're often very amusing to listen to because <laughs> they make no sense. That's right. It's, it's good podcasting. Mm. Good radio. Speaking of podcasting, uh, what, if someone's thinking of starting a podcast, what advice would you have for them? Start slowly. Don't jump in with this, oh, I'm going to do a show every day or I'm going to do an hour and a half every week because you will find out how time-consuming it is. For example, just this half-hour show that we're doing today, by the time I, I get it all done from from start to finish, let's say you know the very first time that uh, I read your email, we sent back and forth, we do this interview, and by the time we get to the post-production and get all the websites updated, the RSS feeds up, I've got eight hours into a show. So there's no mm. such thing as doing a half-hour show, and it'll probably take me an hour. You know, it's a half-hour show that's multiplied about five times. So however long that you're, you're looking to do your show, and especially in the beginning, it's going to take you longer, make sure that you can commit to the time of putting the whole thing together. That's the one thing people don't realize. Hmm. I mean, I have um, a podcast myself that I do usually once a month, time permitting. <laughs> and it's it's very time-consuming because I like to have people on there as guests, much like you do, and there's just an awful lot of of work trying to get people on. I mean, a lot of people are very happy to be on, but then you have to find a time when you're both available and you have to sort of exchange contact details and you have to record the interview and you often have to edit the interview. Exactly. And, and then you have to do... Uh, you often have to do other segments and you have to put all put it together and then there's all the post-processing and there's... I mean, I generally, once I've processed it that's when i start doing the show notes and i start doing that while i'm either encoding the mp3s or uploading to the server and i mean i sort of handwrite my rss feed i don't know about you bill but i handwrite mine and that takes a bit of time as well and then i usually find i've made a mistake in there and i have to go back and fix that up but it is a very time-consuming process, and I mean, I did try at one stage to do a um, sort of daily five-minute podcast, but you know, it took it took an hour of my time, and I just didn't have that time to spare, so that one just had to go. What's question number three? 
Well, I've been thinking about this, and it's difficult to think of, but I'll, I'll just come up with one on the spot. If you had the power to change one thing, just one thing in the world, what would it be? Oh, sure, give me a real easy question. <laughs> How about if I said that if I could change one thing, and that would be for people in all countries to see the human element and the things that make us all people. For example, we talked earlier about the dreams. And I'm sure that, that people around the world, they all have those, those same dreams. If we could break down all those barriers, for example, you know, what's going on in the Middle East and what's going around the world, and just have people stop and see them as people instead of as governments or as ideologies, I think that would be something that would profoundly change the world. And I don't mm -hmm. know if I made myself clear on that. Tell me if I didn't, because I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase it. But No, I think that made sense. Samuel, do you want to tell our listening audience about your blog and also your podcast and how they can read and listen to either one of those? Okay, certainly. My podcast um, is imaginatively titled Samuel's Blog. It's um, on the web at samuelgordonstuart.com. And I don't know if you can spell that because it's um, it's one of those names that nobody can ever spell. It's one of those names you just have to spell whenever you're on the phone to someone. We'll have a link on our site, too. Links are good things. Links are, the, are very, very good things. I don't know where we'd be without them. Um, but yeah, there's sort of things on there that interest me. They might interest you, and if they do, you're welcome to read it. Um, so yeah, I mean, have a look, it might, might be of some interest. I also have uh, a podcast on there called Samuel's Persiflage. Uh, persiflage being a word which means sort of idle chat or banter. And it just has various guests on there talking about various topics and issues. I mean, um, back at episode two, I spoke with uh, with an Australian radio historian a bit about the history of Australian radio. There's and I remember that show, and that was very, very good. Oh, you listened to that, did you? Yes, I did. I, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't understand all the channels, because in, in America we do the channels different, but a radio guy and a radio story is the same in Australia as it is in the USA. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that, that interview, actually, too. Um, you know, I think uh, recently I've had uh, the director of digital archiving from the National Library here, because our National Library here is one of the... Um, world leaders in terms of internet archives, which a lot of the national libraries are quite interested in, archiving what the people of their country are putting on the internet. And that was an interesting discussion because they've developed their system from the ground up and there are many different methods that libraries are using for collecting material on the internet. And I just found that discussion very interesting. But yeah, if, if people want to go and have a look, um, in fact, if you type my name into Google, Samuel Gordon Stewart, it probably won't matter how you spell it, you'll probably come up with my website. 
which is a good thing. Mm. Samuel, thank you so much for being our guest this week on You're the Guest. It's my pleasure, Bill. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show, just go to our website at www.youandtheguest.com. Submit your first name, the town where you live, and a short description on why you'd make a good guest. There is no charge for being a guest, and you'll have the opportunity to share what you think and how the news and events from today affect your life. The show's producers will contact you by email if you're chosen for a future show. Remember that you can listen to the show every day at Coolcast Radio. And of course, we always appreciate your subscriptions at iTunes and Yahoo Podcasts. That concludes this week's edition of You Are the Guest from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.